0: This is Self Work, and I'm Dr. Margaret Rutherford. At Self Work, we'll discuss psychological and emotional issues common in today's world and what to do about them. I'm Dr. Margaret, and Self Work is a podcast dedicated to you taking just a few minutes today for your own self work. Hello, and welcome or welcome back to Self Work. I'm Dr. Margaret Rutherford, clinical psychologist out of Fayetteville, Arkansas, and I'm so glad you're here with me today. This week was kind of a hard one for me as one of my close family members died very suddenly. I actually didn't know if I'd have the energy or the time to do a podcast. I would planned to focus on what I consider the courage and grit of Simone Biles to do what she did and become another kind of star. But that will be for next week. Because as I tried to muster enough focus to write, frankly, my mind would wander. So I looked for a podcast instead that perhaps I'd done in the past That Maybe I could add on to maybe about grief and I found this podcast from a year and a half ago that fit I think it'll help me and I hope it will help you The listener voicemail today is from someone who's in a relationship Where finances are a source of conflict between them and I've heard this problem quite a bit And I've learned to try to remember always to ask about finances in a partnership Perhaps many of you have also had difficulty around the issue of money and fairness and trust, so I hope it'll be helpful to you. Before we get started, let's hear from BetterHelp with a great offer they have. They're a wonderful sponsor of Self Work, so I thank them. I'm always honored when one of you reaches out to me to ask, hey, could I see you? Unfortunately, right now I can only see people in Arkansas, but I do have a suggestion for you. I've personally found that BetterHelp, the leading online therapeutic counseling service, is really a great option. And I've partnered with them here at SelfWork to provide you with a professional, very affordable and trustworthy source of help, no matter where you live. In fact, BetterHelp has been a sponsor of SelfWork for more than a year, and I can't tell you how much it's meant to have their help and support here on the program. But of course, before any kind of relationship happened, I tried BetterHelp myself. They use only licensed therapists, meaning licensed professional counselors, social workers, marriage and family therapists, probably even some psychologists, and they match you up with someone likely in the same state as you if you're here in the United States. But I want to talk about what really stood out for me. I saw two different counselors, or (laughs) I didn't see them, but I worked with them. For one thing, it was very convenient, and they both tried their best to meet my schedule. The second thing was, you know, those of you on the podcast often write reviews or send me emails that say, hey, I really like that you make direct suggestions on what to try. Real, tangible recommendations. And the two counselors I tried did that as well. It's not that empathy and a listening ear isn't valuable. Sometimes we all can benefit from working through emotions in a safe relationship. However, I believe you get hope when you see yourself handling emotions that previously you couldn't. Or maybe you speak up in meetings where before you didn't care enough to, or maybe your confidence was shot. You want to be able to see real change in yourself. Both of them actually offered worksheets for me to use to get a little deeper into things outside of the session. So I walked away with ideas. You know, we're still in the middle of a pandemic and everyone's lives have been challenged to a lesser or greater extent for a year or more. So that's the backdrop we all have to deal with and BetterHelp wants to be there for you. But also because you listen to Self Work, you do have a really good offer for them. You'll receive a 10% discount on your first month of service if you use this code: TryBetterHelp.com/selfwork. That's TryBetterHelp.com/selfwork, and you'll find a counselor uniquely chosen for your preferences and needs. And then, of course, write me and let me know how it goes. If your first counselor isn't a great fit for you, they'll find somebody else, just like in non-online therapy. And after all, so many counselors are only working online these days, and BetterHelp isn't expensive. So try BetterHelp, because reaching out can be so vital to your mental health. And certainly, if any of this podcast causes you to wonder if you've truly worked through grief that you might have been carrying around, then going into therapy might be an answer to help you find some resolution to that grief. But in this podcast, we'll talk about grieving and three things you can do to reach out to those who are grieving in a real and meaningful way. Death and mourning were part of my everyday awareness growing up as I was the daughter of a much-beloved funeral director. Wakes, cemetery plots, grave markers, funeral arrangements, caskets. Hearing about all of that was part of my daily world. Dinner conversation would touch on who my dad had helped that day, but it wasn't really tinged with sadness as dad kept a lot of that from us. We grew up in the seen-but-not-heard child-rearing belief system, so we probably talked about school and my brothers and I would do some kicking under the table while mom and dad talked. Yet, I think that experience helped me recognize that loss is inevitable, and that was evident to me at quite a young age, even without all the emotional overtones. Unless, of course, the death was someone we loved. I wrote this podcast and recorded it the month or two after Kobe Bryant was killed in the helicopter accident, and there were nine people killed that day, him and his young daughter. And of course... The lives of their loved ones were forever altered and shattered on that day. None of those people will ever see fog rolling in or hear a helicopter's war without remembering, without mourning. For a while, their grief will consume them as they're triggered suddenly or not so suddenly by these reminders, memories, songs, silly things, achingly poignant things. There were no goodbyes except the ones we all say, when a planned quick trip will bring with it the normal, have a good time, or don't forget to text me if you're going to be late, maybe and I love you as they headed out the door. But that's it. There was no urge to say anything but what was typical. And nothing was typical on that day or that night and will not be for the weeks and months that come. Those families had to face that one minute their world was safe and the next it wasn't. And that shock takes a long time to heal. All of this was brought home to me this week, as one of my own family died very unexpectedly and suddenly. The details were hard to come by as she was on a vacation in another country. The family that was there with her and witnessed her death were highly traumatized. The family members at home were as well, but differently, as an urgent text and ensuing call brought everyone's world to a halt. This was my sister-in-law, and her sons had buried their father two years before, and now their mom. As I record this, funeral arrangements amid COVID issues are being planned. Each one of us will have our own triggers, from where I might have been standing when I heard the phone ring, to hearing the name of the country where she died, to seeing someone in purple, which was her favorite color. She listened to this podcast and would comment to me from time to time about her own thoughts. Her loss will be grieved, but I thought it might be helpful to you and actually for me to revisit an idea about what is so hard about losing someone you love. You're holding tight to what was, but you're grieving that there will be no more present or future, but time keeps rolling on and in many ways you want it to stop to give you time and space to grieve. You yearn for control where there is very little or perhaps none. But I've learned over time that there's one thing that might also be one of the hardest to face when your own life has veered in such a painful direction. Time keeps rolling and everyone else's life goes on. You'll read about someone turning 90 and there's a big celebration, but your grandfather died much earlier. Or you'll see a joyful post about a parent traveling to meet their new grandchild while your child died. You'll go to the park and see mothers and daughters walking arm in arm or maybe even having a fight after you've lost your own mother. Or you'll pass by a restaurant where an entire family has gathered for a reunion. And that's when you may ask yourself, why? And yet, there'll be no answer. You can feel very alone as the rest of life clicks by, from the mundane to the exciting to the painful, Office meetings are held, college entrance exams are taken, new glasses are needed and ordered, wars break out, awards are won, games are lost, divorces occur, other deaths, some anticipated, some not, also happen. Birthdays, no longer times to look forward to, are trudged through. Holidays become heavily tinged with loss. Life keeps happening. Sadness, fear, anger, denial, depression, anxiety... All aspects of grief are excruciatingly experienced and healing can be slow. But there's no way to stop time. It keeps coming at you and initially each moment may seem harder than the one that came before it. Your loss, so intrinsically painful to you, takes its place amidst the ongoing parade of human experience. My family is close and we will help one another and our friends are a vital part of remembering and healing. But many people don't know how to respond to grief. So I'd like to suggest three things to those of you who might not know how to reach out to those in mourning. First, if you love someone who's going through this kind of grief or any deep mourning, don't simply reach out now. Put a note in your calendar one month from now or six months from now. Reach out again. Offer to do something tangible for them. Take their kids to the movies babysit while they get a massage. You want to realize that often the second or even third year of living out a new normal can be the most difficult, so checking in over time is very needed as well as thoughtful. Second, please realize that mourning takes time. Be patient. Be aware if they're struggling and losing their battle and then help them with that, but please don't offer platitudes. You don't have to explain it away. You can't fix it. Ask them what you can do and then do it. But I've had so many people tell me that after a divorce or a death, people will say, well, you know, you ready to do this? or you ready to do that? And they're not ready yet at all. Now again, you want to keep your eye on someone who may be sinking into a really deep depression while also remembering that grieving takes time. And here's one more thing, telling someone who might feel guilt or anger or some emotion that doesn't seem really rational to you, it's not wise or helpful to say, well, you don't feel that way or you shouldn't feel that way. It doesn't help. Instead, say, I can understand that you might feel that way now. And you know what? You're going to have to work through that. And I want to help you if I can. Then suggest they go to therapy to get professional help if they get really stuck, if they can't forgive themselves, or they remain angry. But know this, if you are grieving, if someone you love is grieving, with each passing second, each breath inhaled and exhaled, your life is moving forward, however painfully. Be aware of how you may be triggered yourself, but look for support or If you know someone who's grieving, be that support. Our listener email today is from a woman who's asking a question about give and take and finances in a relationship.
1: Hi, Dr. Margaret. I wanted to ask how you find the balance in a relationship with the right amount of give and take without realizing it, we've hit a point where my partner feels he's giving all the time. From a financial perspective, I'm not working, so that's difficult, but where I can, I do. I guess he can't help but give. It's, you know, paying for dinner, doing this, doing that. And he's upset because he just feels like I'm taking and um, he shuts right down. So I was actually hoping you might have some material through your podcast um, or books or, yeah, that you could send via links. But I've thoroughly enjoyed anything I've read of yours or listened to. So, Hopefully that makes sense.
0: Money. It's amazing to me how many couples never talk about how they're going to manage their finances. Often one doesn't know anything about the other's bank account, or one perhaps does all the bill paying, and the other person doesn't have a clue about what goes where to pay what. This listener's message got stopped as I felt as if she might have been about to say something about how money had been handled. All we hear is that for some reason... Only her partner is financing things at the moment. We don't know for how long, perhaps her job ended during the pandemic. But she infers that it hasn't been like that, all their relationship. And she says that's been okay. But now something has changed, and he's feeling more and more resentful. She doesn't mention children, because this dynamic is often a part of a stay-at-home parent and then a working for a salary parent, as I like to say. But COVID has changed so many of these dynamics, But let's take what she says at face value. Here's the most obvious layer, that he doesn't see her as trying to do anything about making money or splitting things financially. It may seem obvious then to say, well, get a job. But my guess is that whatever is causing them trouble is deeper than the fact that he pays for dinner when they go out to eat. It's very likely that first, it's a problem with trust. Second, it's a problem with gratitude or being recognized for contributions you make to the relationship. Even if she got a job, which she could, leaving it on the level of it's just about the money means they may still have a problem if, for example, she made less than he did. Or perhaps she does everything around the house and she's the one who feels she's not seen for her contributions. So how are they expressing gratitude to one another? It can be very vital. We all get tired of what we do well or what we can do. So a thank you feels good. But maybe an even more major issue is trust. I often like to ask people who I'm seeing in couples work, or even individual, where they learned their ideas about money. And usually it's through family, parents or grandparents. You saw and heard them talk about money or argue about money, no matter whether it was because there wasn't enough or how it was spent or on whom. What did you learn the roles of each partner were supposed to be? Maybe you grew up in a family where money was divvied up very carefully. If one child got a present worth $10, all the other children got the same. Maybe there was a favorite child that was spoiled. But did trust exist? Did both partners, whether there was a marriage or not, have the same or similar values? And there was a lot of trust about money. Or was there distrust or secrets? Was money used to punish or control? What were the expectations around money? All of what we learned and saw and experienced has a major impact on our relationships. So looking at how those issues might be sneaking their way into your current partnership and your own psyche needs to be identified and worked on. So ask yourself, what did I learn about money? Did I learn something was right and something was wrong? And how is that impacting the way I'm treating my partner? It's a good question for both people to ask themselves. But there's a third issue. She says, All was fine, but now it's not. But I'd like to make this point. Sometimes you can agree to something you think you can handle, but find out it was harder than you thought. For example, I'll be fine with you not working for a salary, but you have more trouble than you thought you would. I think it's best just to talk about this and realize that you want your partnership to be based on an organic and respectful agreement, not one necessarily set in stone. Things change, you both are going to change, and maybe you grow less okay with something than you'd originally thought. Now, I'm not talking about the basic understandings that grow trust, like not having affairs or something like that, but living out something can be harder or at least different than you thought. So if you and your partner can tweak things and make it easier, then your relationship is stronger for it. Basically, if you're growing resentful about something that you said you could handle, okay, just bring that up with your partner. I thought I could handle this, but I'm really struggling. And of course, if your partner says that sometime to you, then that is also about give and take. Thank you so much for being here today. It meant a lot for me to get this podcast out. In many ways, it's a way to honor the memory of my family member, as she was definitely someone that had her vulnerabilities and really worked on them. And I admired her for that. So self-work was very important to her. You can reach me in lots of different ways. My website is drmargaretrutherford.com. My email is askdrmargaret at drmargaretrutherford.com. Thank you to all of you who've left ratings and reviews, either where you listen to self-work or if you've read the book Perfectly Hidden Depression that I published back in 2019. If you've read it and enjoyed it and learned from it, I'd certainly like to know in your own words what that was like for you. And it takes about two minutes. (laughs) You can also do it anonymously, by the way. So thank you for being here. Take very good care. Give everybody you love a hug. I'm Dr. Margaret, and this has been Self Work.